I am all over the place today. Is that a Yoda impersonation that I'm trying to do or something? I don't know. What what's going on? My I'm my head's just everywhere right now. Uh, nothing makes any sense anymore. Where am I? Who am I? Wait, I know who I am and what I'm doing. Good morning, afternoon, evening to all of you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. And I'm Lux. I'm the guy who does this. At least that's what I keep telling people. And uh, I have had a weekend, I guess. I don't know, dude. I have no, I have no funny, witty intro for this one. I am all out of wits. I am all out of funnies this weekend. But you can follow me at the MFNKC on on that's the, that's the Twitter. Or if you don't care about that at all and you just want to know what's going on with this podcast and get other baseball commentary, then you can check out that podcast Twitter at the at Royal Deluxe Pod. Just Royal Deluxe Pod, not the Royal Deluxe Pod. Maybe I should uh. Get that Twitter handle taken care of, just in case anybody thinks it might be. That's a lot of work. Anyway, um, this this is a, I'm all over the place today because the Royals just had this insane and utterly baffling weekend. They had the most chaotic weekend ever. What in the absolute flippity floppity flamingo happened this past weekend? Well, the Royals, they, the Royals were hosts to the Oakland Athletics, who came by our lovely, wonderful stadium. The Oakland Athletics currently, or rather, used to be the holders of the worst record in baseball. They still are, but they used to be as well. We got to play them for a three-game series, and we were thinking, hey, finally, a team that's not, like, in first place in all of baseball. We, we finally get to play a team that's not very good. This is going to be a lot of fun. And then the Royals lost two out of three games. So on Friday, they lost by a score of 8-12. to 12. On Saturday, they lost by a score of 4-5. to five. And on Sunday they won by a score of five to one. Yay! So at least they at least they got some win. And I think it's funny because the one win they got was against the one seemingly good starting pitcher that the A's have. Like the A's entire pitching staff is just miserable and bad and awful. But they have this one guy who's off to a pretty good start to the season, and he's the guy we beat somehow i don't know and against and with our pitcher who probably had the least odds of being successful royals chaos i had this theme that i was going to plan i i i honestly was thinking royals are going to lose on sunday and when that happens i'm going to set something up for this podcast i'm going to go on some kind of long anime story arc or something i'm going to incorporate it into this podcast and it didn't happen. So back to the drawing board. But never say never, I suppose. Uh, oh my god, so much happened this weekend. Alright, so the Royals, yeah, they, they lost two games out of three. That's unsurprising. <laughs> what series did, what, what's a Royal series if they don't lose two out of three? Uh, their record drops to 8-26 and 26 overall on the season. And for what it's worth... 
it's not the worst in baseball. Because they won that one game against the Athletics, they were able to hold them off and uh, keep them at bay for just a little bit longer. Sorry, the Royals are actually 9-26. and 26. The A's, on the other hand, are 8-27. and 27. Wow. Impressive. In some way or another. Um, so, before we talk about like what actually happened, let's talk about what happened with the roster. Because the Royals decided to be chaotic with their roster updates. So, when uh, I think we last spoke, I believe, um, who was it? Um, I know it was Austin Cox who was brought up to the major leagues. I forgot who was optioned down. Was it Jose Quas? Or no, 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 no. It was just that um, Chris Bubich was moved to the 60-day IL. I mean, Jose Quas was optioned at some point, but that that wasn't the, the corresponding move. Austin Cox was called up. Because Chris Bubich is on the 60-day IL. Okay, makes sense. He pitched two innings, looked pretty good. Well, for some reason, the Royals decided to option Austin Cox. And then they called up Jonathan Heasley. Even though Jonathan Heasley has not pitched very well in AAA, but whatever, I guess. I don't know. They're they're, they're trying something. Let them cook, I suppose. Jay Heasy pitched 2.2 innings, and they weren't very good innings. And then he was optioned. And so the Royals have called up Max Castillo, even though Max Castillo has a devilish 6.66 ERA in AAA Omaha. He did not pitch on Sunday. That was a move that they made on Sunday. But um, yeah, I'm kind of at a, I'm kind of lost. I, 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 I've lost the plot somewhere. What's the plan here? I mean, I, I, okay. So, so the Royals have announced that they had some sort of philosophy where they're going to use. Triple A, kind of like an extended bullpen. So whenever they really need some relievers, they're gonna just call up some guys from Triple A Omaha. In a way that makes sense. I I kind of get it, but even then, it's like, well, Austin Cox was looking pretty all right. He seemed like he was pitching pretty well, and he's the one guy out of the three that we've talked about. You know, the the three that have been mentioned that have actually pitched well in Triple A Omaha this season. I feel like, you know, he's a guy who hasn't had a major league opportunity before. Jay Heasy and Max Castillo, they've had options. They've they they've had some chances to play in the big leagues. Austin Cox hasn't. Why not let him, you know, sink his toes into the water for a little bit longer instead of, you know, just, just, just sending him up and down? I don't know. It's weird. It's very, very weird. Um, but... This might not be the end of the roster moves that the Royals will make because um, there might be another pitcher who has to be called up. And I'm saying this preemptively. I am recording this at 5.53 p.m. Sunday evening. It's been a couple hours since the game. Um, you know, I, 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 Unfortunately, I can't really time this in any different way. So all I'm going to say is that um, I would not be surprised if Ryan Yarbrough is injured. So Ryan Yarbrough pitched on Sunday, and man, he was pitching well. I mean, it's the A's lineup, and sure, the A's are the worst team in baseball, but I actually think that people have been kind of, uh, people have kind of lost something, or, or 
maybe not lost. There's, there's something I think has been kind of lost in translation, I suppose, or, or, or whatever. Basically, TLDR, people have, like, a lot of people have been surprised that the Royals pitching staff has been, you know, giving up so many runs to, you know, the worst team in baseball. But people have saying or have been saying that Oakland has the worst offense in baseball. People, you know, so people were really upset about these, you know, the, the 12 to 8 loss, the 5 to 4 loss. Like, oh, how are we giving up so many runs to the worst offense in baseball? Folks, Oakland does not have the worst offense in baseball. Who told you that? Who said that they have the worst offense in baseball? Because uh, if you go to Fangraphs, and even if you like, even going before the Royals series, okay, sort from opening day to May fourth, Oakland has a has a weighted runs created plus of ninety two, which okay isn't amazing, but that's twentieth. That is not the worst offense in baseball. It's actually several spots higher than the Royals. So, wh- wherever people were getting that idea, don't 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 worry about it too much. I mean, again, I'm not trying to say the, the I'm not trying to say it's cool that the Royals lost to the Athletics because obviously that sucks no matter what. But they 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 definitely do not have the worst offense in baseball. So anyway point is Ryan Yarbrough was actually pitching well against a an offense that was seemingly lava hot going into Sunday pitched five and two-thirds innings only one run allowed and um, basically last hitter he faced he he took a 106 mile an hour comebacker to the temple like I don't I don't want to alarm anybody i don't want to be overly dramatic about anything but i also don't want to sugarcoat it it was brutal like holy crap that was one of the most violent comebackers i think that baseball in general has seen in recent memory like it was vicious wow um it was it was a pretty scary situation seriously However, Ryan Yarbrough was able to get up. He walked off the mound. I mean, he had help with his tra- with from the trainers and all, but it looked like he was walking off the mound, walking back to the dugout on his own power, which is fantastic. Like that is seriously so awesome. I've been calling Ryan Yarbrough. I've been referring to him as Ryan Goddamn Yarbrough because, frankly, I have not been a fan of him as a pitcher. I do not. I have not held him in high regard as a pitcher, but he is. Now now Ryan goddamn Yarbrough out of respect, out of admiration, because he is tough as nails, boy. You don't want to mess with Ryan goddamn Yarbrough. Overnight, just suddenly from Sunday, I am now a fan of him because, wow, he is tough as nails for, for just getting up and walking away from that. That is insane, dude. That I seriously have so much respect for him for being able to tough it out like that. I mean, he, he was taken out of the game, obviously. And I'm saying all this because I don't actually know his condition. The Royals have not announced that yet. That was like the, the this whole roundabout thing that I was trying to say. The Royals have not made it clear what exactly the deal is with him. They have simply said, as of two hours ago, they said Ryan Yarbrough is alert and undergoing further testing. So at least he's, you know conscious i'm gonna assume and at least hope that there's nothing like crazy severe going on but i wouldn't be surprised if he has a concussion at the very least like that just 
that just makes sense, right? Dude got hit in the head so hard, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's an IL stint right there, which means the Royals are going to have to make another move. I would love to see more of Austin Cox, um, especially if we're going to need a starter, and you know, I don't really trust Castillo, even disregarding the ERA. I just don't even know if Castillo is all that great of a pitcher. Same with Jonathan Heasley. Don't know if I don't know how much I trust him. I mean, I would like to trust him because I, I, in a way, I do like his stuff. I think that he could be a, you know, a back end rotation guy, but so far this season, he has not been good. And this was the case in the spring training as well. He had a really, really awful spring training. So I don't really know what the deal is. Austin Cox, meanwhile, has made some significant progress forward this season. So I hope that he gets more of an extended look at the major league level. Don't know the roster move. This is just me saying what I want and maybe speculating a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on here that I just don't know about right now. Sorry if I sorry if the Royals announced something between me recording this and this getting uploaded. Um, if, if so, maybe hopefully I can I can like edit it in time and catch it. But I doubt it. I don't know. Chaotic weekend. Seriously, super freaking chaotic weekend. So anyway. Um, roster moves aside, we, we're through the roster moves. Wait, what? What's that? What's that sound? What's that? Wh what's going on? Where in the world is Tucker Wade Bradley? May sixth was Tucker Bradley's twenty fifth birthday. How how about that? Pretty cool. And as a little treat, he got he was put in the lineup for the AAA Omaha Storm Chasers. And all he did was have a three-hit game. We are so back, baby. His numbers now, he's hitting 255 with a 388 on base. Let's freaking go, dude. He also had a stolen base and a caught stealing. But still, you know, Tucker Bradley, he, he, he's the guy. Um, you know, You know the drill. Royals, call him up. Bring it, bring him up. Um, he, he he's the guy. He's he's a dude. Uh, he's gonna make this team better. Um, Tucker Bradley hashtag Tucker sweep. He's gonna win uh, MVP or something. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, go Tucker Bradley. Yeah. Alright, shut the fuck up about John Rockefeller or some crap. We have we have we have, we have other things to talk about. Um, because again, a lot of, a lot of stuff happened this weekend. Uh, should I talk about the the opposing announcer? guy the, the the guy who said the word the the word you should literally never ever use in your entire life um so for the second time in four years an opposing announcer has said a bad word at kaufman stadium i don't know what it is with this place where it has people say mean things <laughs> Uh, but it happened again. Uh, fortunately, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, Nick Castellanos was not in attendance for this. I actually have no idea. Is Nick Castellanos still around? What happened to him? I have I have literally not heard a single thing about this guy all season. Maybe it's because the Phillies suck this season for whatever reason. Uh, oh, he's actually leading the team in war. Wait, that's funny. Huh. Why haven't I heard anything about him? He's actually having a really good season. Well, whatever. Anyway, point is, um, Glenn Kuiper, I want to believe that's how you pronounce his name. If not, I apologize to Mr. Whatever Your Name is supposed to be pronounced as. Um, he said 
he misspoke is a more accurate way of describing what actually happened. He was talking about the Negro Leagues Museum. He said a he said it in a way that you never ever want to say it in. He made the worst possible mistake that I think a person could possibly make on air. But the thing is, it was a very quick sort of thing. It seemed like a genuine mistake. That's the thing that I just kind of wanted to say about that. If I don't know anybody was curious about this, this is this. It's it's kind of funny. This hasn't even been a a huge dramatic thing around baseball, unlike the Tom Brennan thing from uh, like 2020 or so when you know the Reds played here. You know that that whole thing. I mean that one was like very obviously a guy who said a thing in a like some kind of weird joking manner and you know thought the microphone was off when it wasn't that you know it was one of those moments this guy actually seemed like he said something inaccurately and and you know it's one of those things where it's like oh seems like a, an easy excuse for someone who would be saying that word a lot but listen i am someone who you know talks a lot has some kind of profession of talking a lot, doing this podcast, doing other podcasts, doing other things where I talk a lot. It's really difficult to talk a lot. I mean, honestly, I find it really hard to talk at all. If you ever saw me in public and you were like, yo, Lux, I'd probably like I'd probably immediately greet you go by going it's like my mind takes a full minute to rev up in order to make my speech function properly like it is so difficult for me to actually articulate the words that I want to say coming out of my mouth you can't see me doing this podcast but if you did you would get jump cuts galore Although this episode is actually going pretty smoothly. I'm not really jump cutting a lot, but like a lot of other episodes, most episodes of this podcast, I'm, I've got audacity right open and my cursor is hovering right over the pause button. I mean, it's, I'm doing that right now because a lot of times I will say one sentence and then think, oh man, what was the next sentence I need? I was going to say, and I have to take like a full minute to think about what I'm going to say next. It is a long process. It's difficult. In fact, I just jump-cutted right there. You didn't hear it, probably, but I just did. I just paused for, like, two minutes because I, I, at first I thought, okay, I need to think about what I need to say next, and then someone texted me, and I'm like, oh, boy, someone's telling me stuff. I don't want to be rude and, you know, like, close my phone. I need to respond to this. Uh, you know, and lots of stuff. In fact, what was I just talking about? Right, talking about how talking is hard. Talking is hard. Speaking publicly is really difficult. So I just, I hope people aren't looking at this situation with a lot of malice. I hope people can, I, I, and even if you are, I, I believe in forgiveness, you know, I believe in things like that. Even like the Tom Brennan thing, I think that was worse and you know, what happened probably should have happened, but it's not like I still hate the guy. I honestly don't know him. I really only know him from that one particular instance. And I don't know this A's guy whatsoever. But I'm willing to believe he made an honest mistake. And I think that we should all just kind of move on from it. Um, I think he's actually been suspended, which is kind of unfortunate. Because that, that seems maybe a little bit extreme. I mean, I guess maybe if the, the network wants to say, like, hey, we're going to take you off the air for, like, just a little bit. Like, maybe a week or two just to, you know, 
let this situation blow over. That would make sense, I guess. But again, I don't really know if the guy was trying to do anything wrong. I think it was an accident. Just a very, very unfortunate accident. And even Bob Kendrick, who is, you know, the president of the Negro Leagues Museum, he himself made a statement saying, like, hey, I talked to this guy. I met this person. Like, I, I'm aware of, like, what, like, like, like this guy did. You know, he, 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 he's a really good guy who was actually happy to be around. He, he, you know, he toured the, he toured the museum, had a lot of great things to say and all that. So like Bob Kendrick himself has come out and forgiven him. And you know what? (laughs) If nothing else, I, I trust Bob Kendrick because he's a great guy. I trust him with anything that man says. So anyway, I just felt like bringing that up because, and again, part of the chaos that occurred this weekend, it was a, it was quite a, uh, it's quite a quite a story, I suppose. Speaking of broadcasting, though, and in a, in a happier on a happier note, I got to hear Jake Eisenberg uh, call the game. I think for the first time this season. I, I'm, I'm sure he's had other games on TV, and I think I might have just not been able to see them for whatever reason. So yeah, this weekend series against Oakland, it was actually my first experience getting Jake Eisenberg on, on the call. And man, I mean, I I was buying into the hype even before actually hearing him call a game and I am definitely into the hype now. He was he was like one of the things that I was most excited for this season because you know and I and I'll repeat kind of what I said back uh when I did my four things to look forward to this next season. But no disrespect to Steve Fiziak because we can we can talk about what Steve Fiziak is or was or isn't or wasn't. But the man had a broadcasting career of 30 years. I look up to, you know, broadcasters. I think it is a super cool profession. The fact that he did it for 30 years is mind-blowing. I am not even 30 years. And he had this, like, dream job of mine for that long. That's insane. Like, that is incredible. So no disrespect to Steve Fiziak at all when I say that. I just think Jake Eisenberg is an improvement. I mean, he just he just adds a, a different voice to the games, just a different voice to the broadcast. He sounds young. He sounds like really excited. He just, he just has a lot of energy. And I just think that's really, really cool. And it was really, really fun to get that this weekend. I think Jake Eisenberg did a fantastic job filling in for Ryan Lefebvre. I think Ryan was a kind of doing his radio stuff. Jake is usually doing the radio calls, which is why I don't know about him all that much. He's doing the calls with Denny, uh, which is really cool that Denny is still kicking. <laughs> Shout out to Denny as well. Shout out to all the Royals broadcast crew. I, 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 I love the I love this broadcast crew a lot now. I mean, I've always loved Ryan and Rex. I am an I am an uh, unashamed Rex Huddler enjoyer. Uh, it was just kind of Steve Fiziak who was kind of like... <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, but Jake Eisenberg just brings so much to the table, and I'm I'm glad the Royals are you know giving this guy a shot. Um, but again, no, not really trying to be mean to Steve Steve Fiziak because at the end of the day, man worked a job that I think is really cool for 30 years. That is awesome. All right, now let's talk about uh, actual Royals baseball. Let's talk about stuff that actually happened with these games. Let's talk. Let's talk ball. Let's start off with the deluxe moment for Monday. And Perez rocks it deep left center, way gone. Whoa! The Royals are on the board with a rocket. 
Seventh home run of the season for Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez opened the game on Sunday with a solo home run in the bottom of the first inning. 462 feet. It is the longest home run of his career. And this comes at a time when Salvi is already just blazing hot. He he is supernova. He is universe ending at this point. Four home runs in May already. Since April 21st, he was hitting 395 going into this game. I'm not even including Sunday's game because baseball reference hasn't updated it yet. But he had a three-hit game on Sunday. And not only that, but behind the plate, he managed to throw out Isturi Ruiz, who is probably the most notable base stealer in the American League this season. He's already stolen 16 bases, only been thrown out one time. Make that two times now, because you don't run on Salvi, Mr. Ruiz. We know Salvi as a player can be very up and down. He's a tightrope player. There are times there are, there's going to be a week or two where he's, you know, going like over 20 with 19 strikeouts. And it's like, oh, my God, it's 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 awful. It's so horrible. It's so miserable. But then he's going to have these other weeks or even months where he goes like, I don't know, 30 for he goes like 17 for 38 and then actually and then hits like. 80 home runs in that stretch. Math, bro. And right now, he is on one of those stretches. So, relish it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Because when Salvi is on a hot stretch, man, he is really one of the most fun players in all of baseball to watch. I also, you know, threw in a little 1738 joke to uh, mention the fact that Lorenzo Cain had his retirement ceremony. Wait, maybe that should have been the deluxe moment. All right, you know what? Let's have a second deluxe moment. All right, Landon, you go first. All right, Jaden. Cameron. <laughs> and Lorenzo. Lean back, Locaine. Yeah. Lorenzo Cain signed a one-day contract with the Kansas City Royals so that he could retire in a Royals uniform. There was a big on-field ceremony that started at exactly 1738 <laughs> Central Time. I really love that. The Royals were announced like, hey, please be in your seat by 538 p.m. Central Time for the on-field festivities. Haha. <laughs> Good one, guys. All right. Whoever whoever did that one, they, they knew. They knew. They're doing their job very, very well. Um... Yeah, I I personally did not go to that game, but I for, fortunately Bally was generous enough to show at least most of the on-field ceremony, so I did get to uh, check in with that, and it was um just just a lot of fun overall. You know, L Logan's just such a cool dude. Like you you can tell like 
it, it's so funny. I want to say that he's like a, this really relaxed person. Like he seems like someone who's really relaxed. You know, lean back, low cane. That's what I. That's what I think of. You know, it's a, he's very relaxed, but at the same time, he plays so hard. You know, it's the way he runs, the way he feels, even the way he hits. Sometimes he's so aggressive on the base pass. Ah, uh, it's it's awesome. It's it, it, he's just such a cool dude. Um, you know, seeing him get emotional like that, it's a little bit difficult, but you know, you're, you're proud of him for that. So it was really nice to, uh, have that for him. Also the, the, the final prank that Salvi and company laid on Lorenzo Kane by giving him Lorenzo's cane. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was dying at that. That was absolutely hilarious. So Yeah. Oh, and also one of the most clever first pitches that I think anybody has ever orchestrated. Having his kids relay the throw from center field, and then he kind of took the first pitch off the mound. Like, that was awesome, dude. Like, that was that, that was seriously so clever. Like, that just, that was great. Just, just really, really great. I think it was a really cool thing that the Royals did overall. Really cool to see Locane again, and... um. Yeah, seeing how seeing how many people showed up for the game as well. It was almost 30,000 in attendance, which is like, you know, almost opening day levels at this point. He's 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 he's, he's just such a cool dude. It was just really nice overall. It was a really good day. Unfortunately, the Royals had to spoil it by playing bad baseball in some ways. Although it wasn't even like necessarily bad baseball, just really bad pitching. <sighs> Should we get into this? Should we talk about this? All right, let's talk about. I have written down Brady Singer and then like 80 question marks. Brady Singer. Why? I I see a lot of people saying that Brady Singer has regressed back into 2021, Brady Singer. I wish we had Brady Singer from 2021. That This is frankly an insult to 2021 Brady Singer because at least then there was almost some semblance of a decent pitcher there. You know, he had some kind of ups and downs. I mean, I guess in a way, Brady Singer has also had some ups and downs. Like, he he's had a good outing or two this season so far, I think, question mark. I think, like, his start before... The last one was okay, or maybe not the one. Uh, I don't know. I'm 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 getting lost. Point is, um, blah 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 blah. Insightful commentary right there from Royal Deluxe. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Rate it a five stars. <sighs> I don't know. Like it, it tangles my brain into knots. How is why is Brady Singer so bad this season? Like it's it's it, it, it's not only frustrating but it's shocking because based on how he pitched last season, I was saying I was I was saying this over and over again. Brady Singer is convincingly good because you know I I'd been saying this over and over again. We know how good he can be when he's on. He's an amazing pitcher. But when he's not on, when he is not at 100%, when he's at 75% or so, he still goes six innings, gives up four or five runs. Essentially, an average Jordan Lyles start, 
right there. That's Brady Singer at his worst. And I think that's what's so great about him. When he's not at full power, he still has ways of getting by. So he can keep you in the game. He can do his job as a starting pitcher and throw innings and stay competitive. That was that, you know, that's his thing. He's got like that competitive gene that everyone was always talking about. Oh, he's so competitive. He goes after hitters. He, you know, stays in the game. He's competitive. That's why I I was so enthusiastic about him last season. I really thought that this was a a slam dunk, no contest guy that the Royals had. Like the Royals could really hang their hats on Brady Singer and say they did it. They developed a good starting pitcher for the first time in a decade. And now he's this bad this season and it doesn't even make any sense. It's like you look at the data and it's like what even stands out? I mean, a lot of it is different from last season. The velocity is down. The location is kind of screwy. The pitch selection is kind of screwy. But it's like, why is everything so different? It's like someone literally just, like, I don't know, someone brain zapped him and said, forget everything you have done in 2022. It doesn't matter anymore. But even go, again, like, it's even worse than 2021. Like, people say 2021, Brady Singer. Brady Singer had an ERA below five in 2021. Like I said, like again, for all intents and purposes, he wasn't a horrible pitcher. He was just a below average pitcher. I wish Brady Singer had a 4.91 ERA right now. I would actually be happy about that because I'd say, okay, well, Brady Singer isn't like great, but, you know, could be worse, I suppose. He has an 8.8 ERA. He's almost as many runs allowed as innings pitched. Why is that? How did that happen? What? And what's what what really ties us all together, the, the nice little cherry on top of this is that sometimes the games themselves don't even make a lot of sense. I don't think it was last start, but the start before. Yeah, the start against Minnesota. He goes two innings scoreless, I think four or five strikeouts, like he just looks fantastic, and it's like, wow, he's getting that that late movement with his pitches, where it sneaks back into the zone and just makes hitters look stupid, you know, this was this was like good Brady Singer, and it's like, all right, Brady Singer, he is on tonight, he's looking so good, and then he literally cannot get out of the third inning, he, he just enters the inning of hell, walk, walk, Home run, single, hit by pitch, single, single. It's like it, it, it's like between the second and third inning, the the monsters from the first from the first Space Jam just came over and just sucked all the pitching talent out of his body, and then he just came in came into the game in the third inning. It's like I'm just I'm just gonna th- I'm gonna throw to the dugout. I don't know what baseballs are. Like it's so bizarre. Just the just moment to moment, Brady Singer makes absolutely no sense, and his and in his most recent start, this started on Saturday. It, it literally looks like he had absolutely no idea where the ball was going to go the the second it came out of his hand. I don't even know if he had an idea of where he wanted it to throw. It just, like it just looked like there was no plan, just no execution whatsoever. Why was he so bad? He was horrible, just just horrible and awful on Saturday, and, and, and really, I don't even have an, an explanation as to why it's, you know, 
just just why it's this bad. Is it because he didn't have a spring training? Did the World Baseball Classic literally set him back that far? I don't want to believe that. That sounds absurd, but I mean, we are searching all possible theories at this point. Like, like literally, I will take anything. I will take anything as long as it can make some semblance of sense. Make it make sense. And what, what do the Royals even do at this point? Like, like what do they do? They've already tried fixing him. The, there was the... The good start he had a couple weeks ago, I think against um, it was against Arizona. You know that start was fantastic, and he said afterwards, "It's like, yeah, this new grip I have on my slider works really well." Okay, cool. Did that just stop working? I what? Uh? Is it the pitch selection? Is it a mechanical issue? Like, what's the deal? Is it something the Royals can just look at and fix? Because it's it everything is just so screwy with him right now. I don't even know if they can do that. I don't know if it's just a simple, like, oh, he's doing this wrong. And once we get him back on track with this, then everything's going to be fine. Like, is that, you know, kind of like how with a role as Chapman, the Royals were able to get him back to a more straightened out stance on the mound and, ha- and have him start his delivery more straightened out. And that just re-unlocked his, vo- his velocity. Like, is it that simple for Brady Singer? They just need to do some kind of mechanical change, some adjustment I don't know. I, it's probably something that they... <laughs> it seems absurd because he was so good last season, but maybe the Royals will just send him down to AAA again. Like, just just do what they did last season, send him to AAA, have him do whatever it is they think he needs to do, and then call him back up a couple weeks later, and hopefully that'll get him back on track, just like it did last year. You know, last season, 2022, he started in the bullpen, didn't look particularly great, but he honestly didn't really belong there, and he wasn't really getting on any opportunities. It was stupid. Like, it was dumb. Um, but then, eventually, finally, they just optioned him, said, hey, go throw your change up in AAA, and then come back after you've done that. And then they did that, and things were great. They, ever ever since he got called up, he was fantastic. He just really hit the ground running, didn't look back. Maybe that's what they need to do again. I don't know. It's really, really weird. This is This is such a a puzzling mystery the the curious case of Brady Singer I don't know this is a very strange season in general for pitching because there are lots of guys who were fantastic last season and are just dog water this season Sandy Alcantara had a 5 ERA going to today he pitched a good game though he pitched like he almost pitched a complete game and then he blew it in the ninth. but whatever I haven't looked up enough stuff about other pitchers this season just that things are Really weird this season. Anyone notice that the the Pirates are in, like, first place? Is that just me? They're slipping a little bit. I've been saying that the the Pirates this season are the 2021 Royals, where they're the best team in April, and then they're going to fall apart in May. It looks like that's happening. (laughs) It looks like that's finally happening. And I shouldn't... I'm not happy about that, because I think the the Pirates deserve happiness. They have the best ballpark in baseball. And they have some cool guys I like. And I have some friends who are Pirates fans. They deserve, they deserve something, but you know, there's all, there's, it seems like there's always that one team that starts off amazingly and then they fall apart. Last year was the angels year before was the Royals year before that. It was the Rockies year before that. It was the Mariners. There's probably others. So on and so forth. Oh man. 
All right, well, here's here's another guy that doesn't make a lot of sense. Brad Keller, he pitched on Friday, and he was bad Brad Keller. Not like bad Brad Keller, kind of like how I'm starting to use, uh, 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 what, is, what is his name, Ryan goddamn Yarbrough in a cordial way. No, in this case, bad Brad Keller means that bad Brad Keller is a bad pitcher. Bad pitcher Brad Keller is what he was on Friday. Uh, what was even his line? Does it matter? Does anyone care? His his line was suck. <laughs> That's what his line was. It was a uh, 4.1 innings pitch, six earned runs, 11 hits, four walks, one strikeout. So I went into the series preview mentioning that Brad Keller had as many walks as strikeouts so far this season, which um. In case you're you're wondering, it's not that he doesn't have a lot of strikeouts, which is in a way is true. He doesn't have a lot of strikeouts, but he he also has a lot of walks, and now he actually has more walks than strikeouts. I feel like applauding. It's it's sarcastic, but I feel like that's impressive on some level. I don't know how often you're going to see a starting pitcher with more walks than strikeouts. Um, and it's kind of amazing that his ERA is only 4.67 at this point. It feels like it should be like 13 with all these walks that he's giving up. Um, uh, I don't know. It was, it, was, it was a weird, ugly game in general on Friday. 12 to 8. A lot of runs scored on sacrifice flies. <laughs> like a lot of sacrifice flies. And also a Hunter Dozier triple. Hmm. In case you're wondering if I have a, an opinion on that, I don't. That is, that is what I have to say. Anyway, what's interesting about Brad Keller is looking at his numbers for with good old Savant, there's actually not a whole lot that really, like, jumps out, like, like year to year. There's not a, a lot of, like, weird difference, I guess. Um, I guess one thing is that his he's, he's not spinning as much. His fastball spin is way down this season. Maybe that's an issue. But even then, like the batted ball data on Brad Keller is not really all that different. In fact, in some ways, it's good. Like his expected batting average is 234. That is, by a significant margin, the lowest in his career. Expected slugging is only around 400, which is kind of like where it was last year, but that's also where it was in like 2020, 2020, 2019. 2018 was much lower, but I guess, you know, 2019 was a much more offensive um, environment. So was 2023. 2023 offense is way up across the league. So can't really blame him for that, I suppose. Um, you know, batters aren't like hitting him crazy hard or anything. I mean, his numbers aren't like pretty. I'm not going to say like, oh, like all the expected numbers are like super good and, and stuff like that. But like, you you just kind of look at some of this stuff, the, like like hitters aren't just crushing him. It just it feels like it's the walks that are really just killing him that much. Which I mean, sure he is walking a lot of guys. He's walk he's walked seventeen percent of the batters he's faced so far. If you were a hitter and you walked seventeen percent of the time, you would probably be leading the team. Or not lead. You you would definitely be leading the team in in on base percentage. But I meant you'd probably be leading baseball in on base percentage. That's like Juan Soto territory, right there. Um, I don't know, dude. It, it's weird. Uh, honestly, I don't have any commentary to add besides that i just thought it was very interesting just looking at the data for for brad keller i thought it was going to be a lot worse than it is 
But really, just the one thing that really stands out as a glaring issue is that he's walking too many batters. And I'm just kind of wondering, why? Why is he walking so many batters? Like, bro, don't you see the invisible box? Throw it into that. Just, just, just do that. What's the worst that could happen? Hitters aren't hitting you very hard. So just, just, just let him, let him hit. You're going to be okay. I don't know. For some reason, it's like he's afraid of throwing in the strike zone all of a sudden. Bro's allergic to it. Speaking of that, actually, I wanted to bring something up. I wanted to look up something for fun because I was thinking, you know, something was has been standing out to me. I've been thinking, hey, you know, you noticed how it seems like a lot of guys who are uh, who who have been with the Royals for a little bit, and more specifically, have known Cal Eldred. These guys aren't doing very well this season. But then you look in the minor leagues and you see guys who are doing well and they haven't been coached by Cal Eldred. So I was at Lowe's. I, I, I wrote down the guys that we still have in this organization that are either at the MLB level or in the minors. At, 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 in AAA, I mean, they have to be because we're talking about major leaguers at this point. Basically, former prospects that the Royals either acquired um you know like these are guys that the royals drafted and developed themselves or they acquired with very with with little to no major league experience to their name um before joining the organization and so a majority of their coaching at least with the royals has been with cal eldred okay so brad keller brady singer jonathan heasley max castillo jackson kowar carlos hernandez Chris Bubich and Daniel Lynch. Uh, these are the guys that I wrote down. These are guys who are starting pitchers, mind you. I'm not counting relievers. These are guys who are former prospects who have been coached by Cal Eldred. To get, all together, these guys have pitched 178 innings and given up 136 runs. Collectively, that is an ERA of 6.88. That is pretty bad. And yes, I added the burp for dramatic effect. That was not a good burp at all. That was, I've just been drinking water, so I don't even know why I burped. Uh, there we go. There's an even worse one. <laughs> um, yeah, the best pitcher in this list is Chris Bubich with a 3.94 ERA. The second best is Brad Keller. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So then... All right, well, there are some you, you 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 might have been hearing about some positive developments that have occurred in the minor leagues. So, I wrote down current prospects who have not been coached by Cal Eldred. One of them has been in the major leagues, albeit very briefly, but these are guys who I think may have a chance of reaching the major leagues at least this season, maybe, hopefully, I don't know. Anyway, they are Anthony Veneziano, Veneziano Anthony Viniziano. See, Brad, talking publicly is hard. Saying things properly is really difficult. Drew Parrish, Alec Marsh, Austin Cox, Drew Hoff, A Andrew Hoffman, Beck Way, and Jonathan Bolin. I included prospects at the AA and AAA level. Uh, and AAA levels, yeah. I didn't go any lower because I felt like, you know, 
they're not close to major league ready. These are guys who I, I would say are relatively close to major league ready. Again, starting pitchers only and, you know, actual prospects. So, like, I didn't include Mike Myers, who's in Omaha right now. Not pitching well, but he's he's like a 30-year-old pitcher that we acquired in the offseason. He's not a prospect. He's not – doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't do anything. Anyway, so these guys who have not been coached by Cal Eldred whatsoever have pitched 145.1 innings and have a collective ERA of 4.16. I just thought that was really interesting. The guys in this organization who have not met Cal Eldred once in their lives, probably, hopefully, are actually doing pretty well. And, and keep in mind something very interesting. This 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 let this right group of people, the, the not Eldred group, with a 4.16 ERA includes Beck Way, who has walked like 30 batters in 10 innings or something ridiculous. He has a 16 ERA. <laughs> so this guy is inflating the number by a significant degree. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's weird. Um, so yeah, the not Eldred group has a respectable collective ERA just above four. And then the group that has met Eldred is abysmal. They're all doing terribly, except Chris Bubich, who, who who blew out his elbow. Now, granted, this there is maybe an asterisk that I should add here. It doesn't include Daniel Lynch, who had his rehab start um, yesterday. So, or not. Okay, I say yesterday as in Sunday. And uh, I heard it was actually pretty good. I think he went like three innings, struck out a few guys, only gave up like one run. So it looks like Daniel Lynch might be kind of kind of cool. That would be awesome. Um, we absolutely need some help with this starting rotation right now. So, yeah, that's good. That's about it. I, po- I posted I posted this list. I posted my work on Twitter, at the MFNKC. I also retweeted it with the podcast account for that exposure. I don't know how important this information is. I don't know what it really means overall. But it just makes me, like, worry about some kind of feeling that I have. Like, like maybe... The, the guys that we have at the major league level are very close to the major. Like the guys who have played in the major leagues at this point and have ha- and have met Cal Eldred. It's like they can't get rid of the philosophies that he tried. Like they they cannot remove the Cal Eldred from themselves. It, it's like a like a stench that just lingers. It just doesn't go away no matter how many times you wash it out. Because honestly, that's what kind of what what Brad Keller is reminding me of right now. It's like Brad Keller is trying to do that thing that Cal Eldred's pitchers would do where they don't throw in the strike zone. They throw lightly around the strike zone so that maybe it'll get the hitter to chase the pitch when they just look at it and realize it's a ball so they don't swing at it. <sighs> I don't know. Very, very strange. Very odd. Um, and kind of frustrating and maybe kind of sad. Hopefully... This starting rotation can rebound a little bit. I I still have some hope for Granking and Lyles in particular. I think they're going to be. I think they're still fine. I get it. Their last couple of starts have not been good, but I still. I think they're eventually going to progress back to the mean and just end up as advertised. Maybe not great pitchers, but they're going to be around. They're going to get us through some games, and that'll be fine. I think. I hope. Um. 
Brady Singer, I don't know. And Brad Keller, I also don't know. Maybe it's too late for them. Maybe there's nothing we can do. That would be pretty sad. Yeah. I do have some ideas for how to build the starting rotation. You know, like in case of emergency, everything needs to burn down. And it's not just like, hey, go out, sign uh, Shohei Otani for $600 trillion. I'm such a smart general baseball guy. Wow, who would have? Who? Who? No one else has. No one else has ideas like I do. There are other ways you can build a rotation, and I have ideas, but I'll sit on them for a little bit. I will sit and I will wait. I will be patient because that's what I do. I'm patient. I wait for things to get better because I believe that things will get better, and because I believe, I know they will. But I understand some people are. A little bit less enthusiastic about that mindset. I'm not here to force anything. I'm getting kind of lost. So there is one other thing that I wanted to talk about. And it is something that I I think the Royals are getting a little bit better at. It's the bullpen. I think that this is getting a little bit lost in the, the mayhem that is occurring with the Royals. With all the losing, all the sucking, all the chaosing that the Royals have been doing lately. And the starting rotation has been so abysmal this past, you know, week, two weeks, three weeks. I actually forgot to mention, Ryan Yarbrough pitched really well. I, I mean, I think I mentioned it. I, th- I feel like I wanted to say more about that, but I guess I don't. Ryan Yarbrough pitched really well, though, on uh, on Sunday until he got injured. Hope he's doing well. Uh, I should check on that, actually. Did the Royals say anything new? Anyway, point is... Um, I think that's something that has been getting something that is not really talked about a lot is that the Royals bullpen, I think, is getting better. I think it's showing signs of life, signs of progress. Um, the rumors of its demise have been greatly exaggerated, potentially. Like you just kind of look at you kind of look at the main guys they've got in the bullpen. And I think that, yeah, things are getting better. Like, OK, Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor has been disappointing. That's totally true. That's totally fair. That's basically the one guy I can really point out to being not particularly great or not making a lot of progress. I don't know how much better it's going to get for him. Uh, He is striking out a lot of guys, which is cool. So hopefully there will be some positive regression for him. But until then, I'll I'll, I'll just kind of hold off on further commentary. But Josh Stallman so far... Sure, Josh Salmon has been very limited. He's only pitched nine innings because I think he missed the opening day. Uh, yeah, he was he started this the first couple weeks of the season in uh, AAA. But at least for now, given you know, t- take it with a block of salt because it's a very small sample size, only nine innings. But he's only walked four batters, and he struck out he struck he struck out fourteen. So his strikeouts are up and his walks are down. The fact that he's only walking four batters per nine, that is a massive improvement for him because that was always his his big thing. He'd, he'd walk like six batters per nine. It would be something super not good and kind of unsustainable. So I don't know. I mean, again, nine innings, only so much you can take away from that. But if it is a sign that Josh Stallman has actually made progress, that would be great. That would be fantastic because he's another guy where we know how good he can be. He just kind of needs to limit how bad he can also be at the same time. 
Um, but some other guys I think are not getting quite enough credit. Uh, Carlos Hernandez, not even including the game he had on Sunday. He came in on Sunday. I think he was going to pitch in relief for Yarbrough anyway, but then he had to come in for he had to come in an emergency because you know Brian Yarbrough got hit. Uh, pitched one and a third scoreless. I mean, that was great. His ERA is down to 4.67. But in general, like you look at his game logs and there's only like one game that was particularly bad, which is the one game against Texas where he 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 gave up five runs without recording a single out. And it was just like the worst outing anybody could have possibly had. You take away that one terrible outing and his ERA suddenly goes down to 2.11. Now, I know that's a bit of a, you know, it's like, wow, wow. If you take away all of the outings where they give up runs, they have a zero ERA. Mind freaking blown. I'm so smart, dude. I mean, I I get it. That's uh, that's super easy. But I'm just I'm just saying most of Hernandez's bad mojo comes from this one particularly bad start otherwise he is actually he's been he's been good and he's not just been good in short stints he's been a multi-inning reliever who has been pretty solid so far so he's someone that I think we've been hoping would take a step forward this season and I think it's happening I think it really is showing um a role as Chapman is a guy that you know he's he's been a huge success for the Royals this season and he was indomitable for the first like few outings he had this season and what's funny is that he's given up some runs over the past couple of weeks he still has an era below three now he he also pitched on sunday so that's pretty good but yeah he's he's just fantastic he's he's been giving up runs he's been bleeding runs these past couple of weeks and he's still at a really really respectable era so if he can kind of get back to pitching just really well and you know stop bleeding runs so much, then he, he, Royals might Royals might be a legitimate hotspot for pitching for, for for not for pitching talent necessarily, but for at least bullpen talent. Um, if that's such a if that's a term you want to use, but yeah, point is Chapman could be a legitimately hot commodity at the trade deadline. That's what I'm trying to say. As well as Scott Barlow, Scott Barlow has been. Like, like he, he's someone else who, you know, he had this atrocious start to the season. I mean, it could not be any worse for him. But he hasn't given up a run since April 19th so far, which is, okay, sure, five games, 5.2 innings, not a ton. But, I mean, in in those past five innings, he has been, he has been on lock. Like, he has been fantastic. 5.2 innings, but 10 strikeouts and only two walks. Three hits, like no one can do anything to Scott Barlow. He's starting to he he really is looking like the good Scott Barlow that we've been used to for the last two or three seasons over this past week. I think that Scott Barlow, he's gotten it back. It, it was looking pretty scary for a second. I'll give you that, but he, he's I think he's on a on a path to recovery. Actually, I said five uh, outings. I didn't even include Sunday once again. So make that six outings. Uh, yeah, he, he he didn't get a save on Sunday, but he did come in, pitch a scoreless ninth, one hit allowed. That was it. Two strikeouts. It's fantastic. So his ERA is already down to 4.73. He could still go into like the trade deadline with a 
high two ERA. Like it's still that is still on the table. Even a low three ERA, I think, could be acceptable because once again, you just kind of open that game log and you see, okay, there was this cluster of runs he gave up really early on in the season. So sure, he had some kind of trouble, but it looks like he got over that. Like that's well behind him. Hopefully, it'll be well behind him at that point. I would like to believe that. I think that there's still hope that Scott Barlow hasn't lost his value. He hasn't lost his luster. So that could be another great piece to trade at the deadline. As well as another another potential piece that the Royals could have is Amir Garrett. He's someone else who has been kind of an underrated story so far this season. He hasn't really done much bad in particular. His ERA is 3.77 so far this season, and that's after he he gave up three runs in the Baltimore series. So he he was actually getting close to a, a sub-2 ERA before having one bad outing. So hopefully Amir Garrett is going to keep up this start to the season he's having because you know this is his final year of arbitration. So it's his, it, this is his walk year, essentially. It's kind of like, you know, either we, we trade him at the deadline or we just kind of have this guy. He, he's not going to be on the team no matter what next season. So either we can find value in trading him this season or it's just kind of nothing, whatever. But yeah, it seems like things are getting pretty good for Amir Garrett. And I uh, wanted to shout that out. And uh, Taylor Clark, another guy in the bullpen, someone that no one really talks about much or mentions, but I think he's he's an all right guy. He's there, and he's someone else who had one really bad outing. He had an awful outing in Texas where he gave up four runs in one inning. Since then, he's had a three ERA, nine innings pitched, 11 strikeouts, three walks. That'll play, dude. I mean, I don't even think this guy is going to be like a crazy, amazing reliever or anything, but he's still someone. He's, he's going to be a guy in the bullpen that is going to you know help. He's going to give you an inning. Not even including Sunday's game where the bullpen was perfect, essentially. Uh, if you go back, starting from April 17th going to May 7th, the Royals bullpen had a 5.28 ERA, which was third worst in all of baseball. But then you go to just a week, just a week before that, you cut the week, you, you cut the, you make the cutoff a week later, start from April 24th to May 7th. Royals bullpen has a 3.86 ERA, which is 14th overall in baseball. So it's actually, sorry, 16th in baseball. So it's getting better. It is, it is showing some actual improvement. So that's, this is something I really wanted to just shout out because everyone's all up in arms about how bad the starting pitching is. And people are kind of wondering, like, what are the pitching coaches doing? What's going on? And, and I'll admit, it's hard to be optimistic about the rotation we have granted that's kind of because the rotation was is 39 year old Zach Greinke and Jordan Lyles it includes those guys and then Ryan goddamn Yarbrough but you look at the relief pitching and it's ac- it actually looks like there's something there it looks like the Royals might actually be onto something here and this could be signs that someone in this organization actually knows what they're doing so fingers crossed, y'all. I, 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 if nothing else, I think that the people who are coaching the Royals, essentially, the coaches we have in place, I think that they're the right guys for the job. Maybe in this case, it's just the talent isn't right. 
Maybe we just don't have a good rotation because we just don't have available players for, for a rotation. I don't know. That can happen. But people are saying like, oh, fire the pitching coaches. We did that already. These are the new pitching coaches. They came from Tampa. They came from Cleveland. What what are we supposed to do? Uh if only everything was so easy. If everything was if only everything was so simple. Hmm. But I get why people are upset. I mean, I'm also frustrated. I mean, I just had a scream about Brady Singer for like 10 minutes. Anyway, let's uh wrap this up with a very quick preview against the Chicago White Sox, my favorite team in all of baseball. Um, You know, the the White Sox are a funny little, I guess they're like a mirror image of the Royals right now where, you know, we, we overhauled the management, we overhauled the coaching staff, and things still aren't going our way. So people are like freaking out that we did it all wrong or something like that. And maybe in a way that that could be the case. But then you look at the White Sox, who were expected to be a playoff team this season. They're having literally the same exact issues. They they were convinced that the manager was the issue. He was the one holding the team back. So they got rid of him. And they brought in a a new guy. They brought in a young guy, someone who seemed like he can connect well with players. And they're still having the same issues. They, they're they like, oh, well, our pitching's good, but our hitting sucks. Let's get rid of our hitting coach and get a Royals hitting coach. Uh, they, they, got the, they got Mike Tosar, who was uh, basically the guy who helped redevelop Jorge Soler. They did that. They, they, they had this great coaching and, and management overhaul. And now they're 11 and 23. Sorry, 12 and 23. They're actually winning today. This could be interesting. They, they, they look bad right now, and it's been a big story in baseball of how super bad and disappointing they are. But they did just win 17-4 and against the Reds. They actually won a three-game series against the Twins. Um, and the Reds, I don't think, are like good, but they did also win a three-game series against them. So far in May, they've been doing okay. One could potentially wonder if they're about to turn it around, if they're finally getting it together. So I say this kind of asking, are we going to see a team that is actually 12 and 23? Or are we going to see a team that is a playoff caliber team that's just, you know, only getting started? It's, it it kind of gave the rest of the league a uh, an 11 game head start on them. I don't know. We're we're just going to have to see. We will just have to see. I have no idea. Personally, I do not believe in the White Sox. I don't think they have a good roster. Um, and I've, I've believed that for quite a while. I've believed that since like late 2021. I'm like, these guys aren't real. This team is not real. They can't hurt us. But I've been wrong about a lot of things in the past. Again, we will just have to see. So pitching matchups real quick. Royals are going to send out Zach Greinke, 82-year-old Zach Greinke with a 5.25 ERA in 36 innings so far. But 
He's pitching in Kauffman Stadium, so he's going to be lights out. Probably going to throw a no-hitter or something. Meanwhile, the White Sox will send out Dylan Cease, who is maybe their ace questionably... Possibly he was second in Cy Young last year with a fancy 2.20 ERA and 184 innings pitch. Fantastic. The one weird thing about him, though, is that he walks a lot of guys. He led the all of baseball in walks. But he was second in Cy Young because he just doesn't give up runs for some reason. I don't know. I mean, he does strike out a lot of batters, which is cool. It's just very interesting. This season, he's walking even more guys. His walks per nine was, was 3.8 last season. Now it's 4.8. What does that mean for him? He now has, a, he has an ERA of 4.58. So he's actually kind of mid this season. But I don't know. Royals usually don't love walking a whole lot. So we'll see how this goes. That's going to be Monday's matchup. Tuesday, the White Sox are going to send out Lucas Giolito. A guy who is very, very conflicting, I suppose. It seems like every now and then he's just going to have like an absolutely terrible, garbage, abominable season. And then he'll just kind of get back and be like, oh, I'm a I'm like a Cy Young pitcher now suddenly. Isn't that cool? So like like he was kind of supposed to be their ace. He never really pitched like their ace. And everyone's kind of been saying like, oh, this guy's going to win a Cy Young one day. Totally. Last year he threw... To a, he threw 161.2 innings to a to a 4.9 ERA. It was bad. It was awful. This season, he's thrown 41.2 innings and in seven starts so far. 3.67 ERA, which is quite good because again, offense is up overall. So that's an ERA plus of 124, which is just like, which is the same ERA plus he had in 2021. We're at a 3.53 ERA. So, yeah, inflation. It's one hell of a thing. <sighs> I, I just paused to give myself some time. Anyway, Royals are going to counter with Jordan Lyles. 6.69 ERA, 7 starts, 40.1 innings pitched. We know who Jordan Lyles is. Hopefully, he's a, you know he's kind of off his diet that he's been on for a little bit. Well, he's only thrown nine innings in his two in the past two starts combined. Hopefully, he'll get back to eating those innings right up because we are just gonna keep making innings, and someone's got to eat them. And then there are no probable pitchers from the White Sox side on Wednesday and Thursday. The Royals are gonna send out Brad Keller on Wednesday, then Brady Singer on Thursday, unless they have other plans, which. I doubt they will because the Royals don't like making a lot of roster moves this season. Unless it's very weird bullpen moves like Austin Cox and Jonathan Heasley and Max Castillo. Or whatever. I don't know. But whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. I have talked a lot. This was a pretty long episode. But it was chaos. It was chaotic. I actually went into this episode thinking, man, this episode is going to be like 20 minutes. I have nothing to say. Actually, there was a lot to talk about and a lot of confusing stuff to talk about. So I hope you enjoyed this somewhat longer episode. And if not, then I apologize. Do leave, do let me know. You can send all feedback at whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Give me a rating. Give me a review. I would, I would, I would appreciate it. Or you can tell me directly at Royal Deluxe Pod. That's the podcast Twitter. Or at the MF and Casey. That's me. That's my Twitter. 
even though both of them are my Twitter, but don't think about it too much. Any further inquiries can be any further inquiries. Inquiries. You can send them to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day. I hope you're having a good one, or will have a good one, because you deserve something nice too. I'll see you all on Friday, hopefully. And until then, I'm Lux, and go Royals.